Well, our new series is called Find Your Voice. The goal of this series is to help us all, self-included, improve in discussing hot-button cultural issues with grace and truth. We've already covered some pretty tough topics. Sermons are available online. We talked about pro-life, pro-choice, and we talked about LGBTQ part one. LGBTQ part two is today. We are talking about part two today. And so the question is, how can we discuss today the issue of transgenderism? That's a conversation starter. Welcome to church. (laughs) Today on Daylight Saving Sunday, we are going to learn how to talk about this issue with grace and truth. I hope you had an extra cup of coffee. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, But we have to talk about this issue. We have to learn how to talk about this issue because we're not good at it. Where are we with the topic of transgenderism? Well, even over the last four years, since I did this series four years ago and we discussed LGBTQ, this really wasn't the one that was in the forefront and now it is, right? That was kind of in the background and um, gay marriage at that time was the big one that was being discussed, but now that's, that's changed. So let's just take a moment and figure out Uh, You know, what are some of the highlights of this issue right now? We'll put some um, pictures up on the screen, but Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner now, obviously, go ahead and put that picture up there, is one of the most uh, well-known transgender people. Uh, Bruce Jenner was one of the most decorated Olympic athletes and finally transitioned to becoming Caitlyn Jenner, and the whole family is now just everywhere on television. Um, Here's the next picture. Miley Cyrus wore a shirt a very controversial person to begin with, but gender is over, and there are celebrities who are jumping on the bandwagon of saying gender is different, and it's being changed and transitioned. You go ahead into the next picture, Um, and what we see here is RuPaul, famous uh, cross-dressing person, and uh, season 13, I think, is out of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, Go on to the next picture, and so you see how it's glamorized, it's popularized, it's normalized. This is Cher and Sonny Bono, and their daughter Chastity, their daughter Chastity in the late 90s decided to transition to becoming a man. And so now known as Chaz, uh, here's the next picture, went through um, the transitions and now Chaz has, has kind of been accepted into pop culture. And the next picture shows that uh, Dancing with the Stars, you know, became a, a big moment for the, for the Bono family. And Cher has opened up about what it was like to uh, help her biological daughter transition into uh, the world of men, and that's her only child uh, with, with Sonny. So when you put all these together, you can see how this topic has rapidly become normalized and glamorized in society, and it's also led to a lot of debates and controversies, uh, especially in the area of like women's sports, um, and it's created a tremendous political turmoil over how should laws be enacted Uh, to deal with this issue. Now that's just a big shotgun blast at what's going on with this topic. So how do we discuss this with grace and truth? Today we're going to lean more on the truth side. We're going to talk a lot about the ideas that are emerging in this conversation and how we can think clearly and biblically and understand how to have a rational conversation about it. I'd love in the future to do more of a pastoral conversation about how to care for somebody who's personally struggling, wrestling through this topic. Today we're going to talk more about the ideas and how the ideas are coming up in culture and being debated in the culture and in the church. Remember, I also do a webcast Thursdays at noon, and I'm going to dive into this issue there, so make sure you tune in on Facebook Live for more. Hey, let's pray, and then we'll get into this topic. 
Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to understand um, when it comes to this topic what the Bible says, and help us, O Lord, to just sift through the ideas. There are so many different things that people are saying about gender, identity, and how we are to love people and protect them, and how we are to arrange society to promote order, to promote well-being. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us from your word to determine how to think clearly and biblically and respond in love, especially on this topic. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the verses are going to be projected, so you don't have to race all around the Bible. Um, But the first thing that you can jot down is this. Um, God created humanity in his image. So we're starting with the spiritual side of things. The sermon is organized into four categories. We'll start by looking at this through the spiritual lens. Then we'll look at the scientific or biological lens. Then we'll look at the social lens. And then we'll end with the psychological lens. That's a good way to uh, look at this topic from four different angles. Spiritually, the Bible is clear that God created humanity in his image. And if there is a creator, then humanity is his to define. Because we draw life from his hand. If there is a creator, he tells us who we are. He tells us what we are. And in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, the first page of the Bible, you hear these words, male and female. And therefore, gender goes all the way back to the dawn of creation, and it is a creation of God. It's built into the human framework. It's a necessary component of humanity thriving and surviving. And therefore, it's from the Creator's hand that there is male and there is female. Um, Some would say this is strictly a social construct, but we have to insert right here that the Bible is clear this is a spiritual construct. Because we're made in God's image, gender is not just conforming to cultural standards around us, it's expressing something about God. Jot this down. God created two genders to reflect his nature. It says male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created two genders to reflect his nature. And Eve came from Adam. So from the one came two. And therefore, that in a way shows us, teaches us, models something of the divine. We know about the Trinity, which is one God in three persons. It is singular, but it is plural. And the idea that out of one can come two, and then three shows something of the divine. Um, And so mankind is made in God's image, and therefore we display God's attributes simply by being human, simply by the kind of thing we are. What does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, it can include some attributes of God, which are communicable, like knowledge, love, will, creativity, relationships, and we can personally know God. This gives every human life worth and value from the moment of conception. It also gives every human life definition. Gender and sex assignment from birth came from God, not from man. Society doesn't look down and assign gender or sexuality to mankind. God did that, and he did it to say something about himself. 
It says in Isaiah 44, 24, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you, listen, formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Because God knit us together in our mother's womb, he made some genetic decisions. He made some cultural decisions. He, the Bible says of the nations of the earth in the book of Acts, he stretched them out and determined their boundaries. Therefore, humanity is not one long series of self-determining, self-defining individuals and cultures and nations. God is the one doing that. When we understand we have a creator, we understand that he looks down and tells us who we are. We don't look up and tell him who we are. He created two genders to reflect his nature. And jot this down, God assigned unique purposes to each gender. So gender is not simply a social reality or a social construct. It is a spiritual reality with spiritual expectations from our maker. God lays out a description of what it means to be a godly man. He also lays out descriptions of what it means to be a godly woman. These expectations can be expressed culturally in distinct ways, but these expectations transcend all cultural distinctions, like dress, language, customary responsibilities, fashion trends. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And in Proverbs 31, 29 to 30, it says this, Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A person's gender is therefore God-given and sacred. And seeking to identify with the opposite gender creates a spiritual clash with the Creator's intent and the Creator's expectations. Seeing this first through the lens of God's spiritual activity to create helps to clarify every other lens through which we see this. If gender was simply a social construct, and from the beginning society handed you some expectations, a list of rules, some fashion trends, and expected you to go in that box, then it would be different if you were to just switch boxes. But if God knit you together and gave you a gender that in a way was him expressing something about himself. And then in his word, he gives you an expectation for how you can become the man or the woman he expects you to be. Then spiritually, it would be a clash to say that I will not do that. So number one, God created humanity in his image. And therefore, spiritually, two genders reflect his nature and God assigned unique purposes to each gender. This is fundamental as we figure out who we are, as we figure out our identity and find our place in this world. It's so crucial to understand that God is the one who determines who I am. I look up and I listen, and God knows everything about me, and I know very little about me. So when I listen to God, the little I know about myself starts to make more sense. And when I don't listen to God, the little that I know about myself doesn't make any sense. God created humanity in his image. Number two, jot this down, let's look at it through the scientific lens. There are only two biological sexes. There are only two biological sexes. So scientifically, when it comes to the biology of the matter, bodily differences are obvious. On the outside, when it comes to the differences between men 
and women. Uh, the differences are obvious. Reproductive organs on the inside, curves on the outside. And there are not just a few parts, though. Some people would say, well, other than the plumbing, what's really different than men and women? Some people have argued, particularly through the feminist movement, that there's really no essential difference between men and women. They're practically the same. We know now, thanks to CAT scans, PET scans, thanks to all the different tests we can do on the body, that the male body and the female body are fundamentally different uh, in thousands of ways. But the most important scientific realization came when we were able to start mapping out DNA and figure out how chromosomes work. At the cellular level, we learned so much about what it means to be human. And the human body has an estimated 30 trillion cells, 30 trillion of them. And if someone were to come to you and pick any cell from anywhere in your body and look at it, every one of your cells has a full copy of the 46 chromosomes of your DNA. The entire library, the manual by which you were assembled, 30 trillion cells, every one of them has a copy of this DNA. And therefore, in every cell of your body, it either says boy or girl. Not just one time, not just two times, not just 10,000 times, not just 10 million times. 30 trillion cells, every one of them says boy or girl. There are only two biological sexes. Now, jot this down. Some disagree with this because of genetic abnormalities. Meaning, some people, when they hear this point, well, biologically, there are only two sexes, they would push back and say, well, no, that's not true. And the reason they would say that is because there are biological varieties. There are people who are born, for example, with an XXY. Uh, there are people who are born genetically different. So they would say, based on that, you can't say there are only two because there are actually a collection of genetic assemblies of people. Well, how would we reply to that? Well, we would say it's true that there are many genetic abnormalities or even hormonal disorders through puberty that create complicated health problems and sometimes blur the lines between male and female. There, there therefore, if you have a genetic abnormality or a hormonal disorder that emerges during puberty, there could be reason uh, to have some confusion surrounding gender traits. But we would say this, these are exceptions. These are statistical anomalies. And these exceptions don't change what we know scientifically to be the rule about what it means to be human. In addition, these exceptions, meaning look over there, there's someone with an XXY. That does not in any way make it possible for another person who's genetically normal to change into a genetically different person. So if you're saying there are out there some genetic exceptions, they don't change the rule, and they don't change anyone else. They simply present something different genetically about that person. So we're going to focus our time today not on the claim that there, are, there is a genetic variety and there are abnormalities, but we're going to focus today on the claim that anyone can assume any gender at any time period. The fact that there are genetic abnormalities does not uh, establish that claim, saying because there are some genetic distinctions, therefore anyone can assume any gender at any time, those two things don't go together. One person who has confusion over biological distinctions because of something that's verifiably physically different about them in no way gives anyone the freedom to say, therefore I can change my gender entirely. 
Those two things don't go together. So there are only two biological sexes. Yes, there are some genetic abnormalities, but jot this down. Others agree with this, meaning many people who are even a little more on the uh, you know, pro-transgenderism side or on the let's just allow this in every form, they would say, all right, you're right. There are only two biological sexes, but they would say that gender identity is something that's different from sex. So biological sex, the body you were born into is one thing, but the gender that you identify with is something completely different. It's your sense of self. It's how you feel you are. And they would say that there are many people who just one day realize that their mind doesn't match their body, that their heart doesn't match their biology. And they would say, therefore, that person discovers their gender from within. And whatever their biology says, they are free to truly express who they are inside. If the body is mistakenly out of sync with the mind and the feelings, they would say that, therefore, the body can be reassigned and refashioned. And many would say it must be. Now, some people in the transgender community, after learning of their affection, affinity, identity with the opposite gender, they don't go all the way and transition their bodies. Uh, Bruce Jenner has not transitioned his body entirely. He still has male components. But some do. Those would be called transsexual. But some people simply cross-dress. They say, I find great joy in taking on some of the outer appearances of the opposite gender, but they're fine keeping all of their physical features intact. So there's a spectrum on which people seek to express this identification with uh, the other gender. But they would say that gender on the spectrum is something that can be discovered within and defined within and you can locate yourself at any point on the spectrum of boy or girl or both or neither beyond gender. Facebook, for example, when you set up an account and it asks you what gender you are, currently gives you 60 different options to choose from. So this isn't just, can I be a woman? This is, can I redefine myself entirely in new ways, perhaps in infinite ways? And understand this idea of gender fluidity doesn't just mean you make a one-time I'm telling the world once and for all I'm a girl. Uh, it's how you feel today or right now. It can change moment to moment. This is the idea that's being discussed. Um, and when it comes to biology, we just have to ask, because we're looking through the scientific lens, is it rational to turn biology into mythology? Is it rational to look at the biology and to say, that's simply not true about me? That's simply not me. If 30 trillion cells say boy, what about a person can ever truly become girl? Other than cosmetic appearances, spiritually, scientifically, it's impossible to change genders. Therefore, social transformation is the only thing that's truly possible. A lot of people will push back against this, but listen, spiritually it's true, and scientifically it's irrefutable. Every cell in your body says girl. So that's why we're going to move on to number three, because this is primarily a social transformation. When someone says they are going to become transgender, they are going to transition their gender. 
They can't change their DNA. They can't change their biology. They can't change spiritually what God fashioned them to be, but they can change their social experience, how they present themselves in the world and how they expect to be treated by others. Now, what happens socially when a transgender person makes this transition and when the world around them decides how to respond to that? Well, jot this down. Denying these realities, meaning spiritually and scientific, creates tremendous social turmoil. Tremendous social turmoil. Uh, it is not going well. It is not a smooth transition. Socially, everything is being turned upside down. Many in society have decided that humanity can redefine gender at will and as needed in order to promote the happiness and safety of people who are non-binary, they would say. Therefore, the world around them, they say, should be ready to transform in any way necessary to accommodate this person's newly determined identity, or perhaps constantly changing identity. The world around them must change. But denying these realities is creating tremendous social turmoil. Jot this down. Many think social norms are problematic and dangerous. In other words, social norms exclude transgender people and even put them in harm's way because they are a gender minority and therefore they've been oppressed. The hierarchical, hierarchical systematic uh, attributes of gender and culture have harmed their sense of identity and prevented them from becoming truly who they are. And so everything around them must change to make the world a more inclusive and affirming place. So it was uh, announced a couple weeks ago or last week that Hasbro was going to change its Mr. Potato Head brand. Here's a picture of the Mr. Potato Head brand. And Hasbro, according to this um, article in the AP, Hasbro created confusion Thursday when it announced that it would drop the Mr. from the brand's name in order to be more inclusive. So all could feel, listen, welcome in the Potato Head world. It also said it would sell a new playset this fall without the Mr. and Mrs. designations that will let kids create their own type of potato families, including two moms, two dads. Glad an LGBTQ advocacy group applauded the more inclusive potato playset. Hasbro also said we're not eliminating Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head. We are simply changing the way you can play with and, and design the toys. So if you buy a family playset, you could have two Mr. Potato Heads or two Mrs. Potato Heads. Now, the reason why this is somewhat controversial is because a lot of people say, well, why are we changing the Mr. and the Mrs. to begin with? Mr. Potato Head is Mr. Potato Head. Other people say this doesn't go far enough. They would say the whole idea of Mr. should be done away with, and the whole idea of Mrs. should be done away with. Hasbro's missing the point. They should just have non-binary, non-gender, no Mr., no Mrs., just potatoes. You can see how this is spilling over and creating social turmoil, even in toys. But many in society would say these changes are good because we have to make transgender people feel safe and welcome and included. So many think social norms are problematic and dangerous. Jot this down. Language is therefore being policed and punished. Language is therefore being policed and punished. Freedom of speech, independence of thought, presence of dialogue is not allowed on this issue. In New York City, a business can be fined up to $125,000 for not using a person's preferred pronoun. And up to $250,000 if it can be shown that they've done this willfully and maliciously. 
Great legal fines and repercussions await any organization that doesn't simply agree that a he is now a she. In Great Britain, a researcher named Maya Forstater tweeted this, men cannot change into women. That's a tweet. Men cannot change into women. She was fired immediately. She sued, saying this was discrimination because her philosophical viewpoint was that men cannot change into women. She was brought into court. The judge turned down her lawsuit and said that her tweet was, quote, incompatible with human dignity and the fundamental rights of others, and her view is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. Her tweet again was, men cannot change into women. You can see how there is no debate. When, when society decides to conform to a person's newly defined gender. There is no discussion. There is no disagreement. You will conform or you will pay the price. Language is being policed and punished. And jot this down, double standards are being imposed. So in the name of justice and the name of equality, these are the stated outcomes, a, a more fair, a more compassionate, and a more equal world. That's what we're going for. They would say that a, a transgender boy, meaning a girl who has transitioned into a boy, a transgender boy is a boy and has always been a boy. Therefore, he deserves, it's a human right for him to enter into the male community and function in every way, locker rooms, sports teams. And a boy who transitions and becomes a transgender girl has been a girl his whole life. He's a girl now, and therefore it's a human right for her to enter the girls' locker rooms and to be on the girls' track team and, and to be on the girls' basketball team. It's her human right. And if you take that right away from her, there's already such a high suicide rate in the transgender community. And the bullying that goes on is unimaginable. How could you do that to her? Now, this presents a, a very emotional argument, but it's very in inconsistent. It's a double standard being imposed on people. It's not just and it's not equal, even though they're saying it's just and it's equal. Let me describe. So if I'm a biological male who transitions to becoming a female, and now I say I want to compete on an all-biological female team, I'm told yes. I'm told yes. But if another girl on that team says, I want to compete on an all-biological female team, she's told no. I'm told yes, she's told no. That's not fair. I can compete on an all-biologically female team. Yes. I want to do that too. No. That is a double standard. One person gets not equal treatment, special treatment. I want to go into a locker room with exclusively biological females. Yes. So do I. No. There will be a non-biologically female person in there with you, but that's not what I want. You don't get what you want. That's fundamentally unfair, right? 
It's fundamentally a double standard. It's not equal treatment, it's special treatment. We have to be able to see how language is manipulated. Then once language is manipulated, we have to see the consequences. This is especially bad for biological women, which is why the feminist movement is very upset about the thought that a biological male, after all they've fought for, can suddenly just poof, enter their world and be treated with all the dignity and equality that they have demanded. So I've got some um, news articles here about what's happening in the sports world. Federal and state courts nationwide have held that segregating sports by sex is all but necessary to ensure that girls and women do not uh, do receive equal opportunities in interscholastic, I should have typed this with a bigger font, <laughs> athletics. Open competition with males, the courts recognize, would likely keep females sidelined as bench warmers or spectators, therefore undermining Title IX's purpose. Meaning if you let biological males into female sports, there will no longer be females on those teams. It will be the men who are out there competing. This is happening all over the country. CC, formerly Craig Telfer of New Hampshire's Franklin Pierce University, won the 400-meter hurdles at the NCAA Division II Outdoor Track and Field Competition on May 25th uh, with, the fe with the female comp uh, competitors. Teffler's time of 57.53 seconds was more than a full second faster than that of his or her nearest competitor. A peek at Franklin Pierce's track and field website says nothing about Telfer competing as a man for his first three college seasons or about his accomplishments during those years. The press released touting uh, her first NCAA individual championship in any sport says nothing about her being transgender either. But according to the website, letsrun.com, prior to joining the women's team, Tafler was a mediocre D2 athlete who never came close to making it to nationals in the men's category. In 2016 to 2017, Tafler ranked 200th and 300th among the men before sitting out the entire 2018 season. So 200th, 300th, with the men, then makes the switch and wins by a mile. We have a picture here of what it uh, looks like with a transgender man running with biological women. If this narrative sounds familiar, it should. Biologically male sprinter Terry Miller of Bloomfield High set a state record of 6.95 seconds in the girls' 55 meters at Connecticut's Indoor Track and Field Championship back in February. Miller also set meet records in the 100 and 200 at Connecticut's Outdoor Championship last spring. Like Telfer, Miller was nowhere near elite when competing against boys. After declaring himself a girl and competing as one, Miller became a state champion. Now this is not fair. This is obviously not fair. And yet the world is clamoring for equal rights. There was an MMA fighter, mixed martial arts, who's biologically male, who went through transition surgery over the period of several years and then, uh, and then changed his appearance and then entered into the octagon fighting as a female, didn't tell anyone that he was a biological male. And after his first two victories, where he crushed the competition, rumors started to circulate, and then finally he had to announce that he was biologically male and he had transitioned. The MMA community was instantly divided. Uh, 
Joe Rogan, the president of the uh, UFC, said this is absolutely not equal. Bigger hands, thicker jaw, uh, the biological advantages of a male trump a female. And others in the UFC said the same thing, but the world said, no, this is equal. She has a human right to fight against females. So you can see how double standards are being imposed. Uh, your right is no longer the governing right. This is not equality. This is special treatment. So denying these realities is creating some tremendous social turmoil. Language is being policed and punished. Double standards are being imposed. And jot this down. Politicians and activists are stirring the pot. Politicians and activists and corporations are stirring the pot. So here's a, here's a tweet. Uh, you may have not have known this, but Oreo the Cookie has a Twitter account. Maybe you didn't know this, but here's a tweet that Oreo sent out last week. Uh, it said this, trans people exist. Now a cookie is making a statement about transgenderism. Why is a cookie talking about human gender? Well, let's face it, it's about money, right? It's about virtue signaling. It's about we are woke. We are on this social agenda. The cookie says so. Uh, it's okay to think this is just ridiculous. We don't need a world where cookies tell us about human gender. You can see how denying these realities is creating tremendous social turmoil because spiritually and genetically and biologically, these things cannot be changed, but socially they believe they can and they must, and they must. So number one, God created humanity in his image. Number two, there are only two biological sexes. Number three, denying these realities is creating tremendous social turmoil. Number four, psychologically, let's look at it through the psychological lens. What, what do we do with a person who feels like they belong in the other gender? Well, psychologically, we must embrace what is verifiably true about ourselves. Uh, brothers and sisters, we have to, according to Scripture, anything that is right and true, we have to think about these things. We cannot affirm in someone else what is verifiably false about them spiritually and biologically. We cannot affirm that. It's not loving and it's not rational. So psychologically, we must embrace what is verifiably true about ourselves. What happens if we don't? What happens if we are willing to embrace what is not, what is verifiably false about something? Well, somebody went to a Washington University with a camera and said, let's find out how far this goes. How much are they willing to affirm about a person that's verifiably false? Check it out. There's been a lot of talk about identity lately, but how far does it go? And is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I, I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want. Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'll be like, what? 
Really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. <laughs> I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I, it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you, no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it, yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel like mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? Question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believed you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong, like, that's wrong to believe in it, because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So, I can be a Chinese woman. You... <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six-foot-five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six-foot-five, uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you are six foot five, or Chinese, or a woman. It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman, but clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult? Hard to watch, right? Hard to watch. Um, so psychologically, we must embrace what is verifiably true about ourselves and about others. Otherwise, we lose all rational and moral bearings for humanity. Jot this down. Love rejoices with the truth, the Bible says. Love rejoices with the truth. Embracing a delusional frame of mind leads to nonsense and chaos. Nonsense and chaos. Therefore, we must stand for reason and we must stand for truth, and we believe we can be loving at the same time. In fact, we believe that it is loving to stand for reason and to stand for truth. And we would believe that if you are affirming something in another person that is verifiably false, that is not a loving thing to do. Deuteronomy 22.5 is really the only direct comment that we have in the scripture about this topic. It says this, a woman shall not wear a man's garment nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. 
Now, this is a cultural expression of the gender, and you can't turn this into a comprehensive biblical understanding of this topic, but it is a direct, clear commentary on this. Love rejoices with the truth, and love rejoices with the truth of a person's gender. Jot this down. In fact, only the truth will set you free. Christians must not abandon a rational biblical framework for human identity. We must not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the truth found in Scripture is this. Men and women are different on purpose. And so we must honor God's purposes for our identity, not just in our gender, but in every part of our personhood. Judges 21-25 talks about a sad, lamentable time in Israel's history that I think is now sadly becoming true about our culture. It says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what is right in his own eyes. We would say this, A world in which everyone just does what is right in their own eyes, in their own heart, is not a world in which a Christian can flourish according to those rules. We must be transformed. We must be made new in Christ. And we must admit the truth about our sin, about Christ. We must admit the truth about our need for our Savior, about things within us that are broken and disordered and false. And here's the thing, if we're going to go and make disciples of all nations, we have to be able to look lovingly into the eyes of another person and say, I know this might be hard to hear, but you're wrong. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to Proclaim the gospel to all nations, to tell the truth about humanity to people who desperately need to make sense of the brokenness and the fallenness in their own hearts. And Lord, as our culture tries to reimagine and reform and reshape society around what is not true, I pray that you would give us courage to be reasonable. Give us courage to say what is now a fireable offense. There are only two genders that you can't change from one to the other. Lord, give us courage to stand firm on the truth about humanity and on the truth about Christ. And Lord, I pray that people would see in us not a harsh, cold, blunt desire to harm people or to make people feel unsafe, but a better explanation for these struggles that lurk in the hearts of people, a better explanation that we're born broken, we're sinful, and that only Christ coming into our heart, bringing the light from above, only Christ coming into our heart, giving us a total new person by the Holy Spirit can satisfy our desire to be different, to be better, to be perfect. And I pray that you would help us in Christ to find that person that we're longing to become. Not in the mirror, not in the pages of a magazine, but in the pages of Scripture. Help us, O Lord, to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ and there to find satisfaction because we become the person we were designed to be. Forgive us for our sins, O Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.